It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Fixing bridges and roads, broadband for rural areas, a massive investment in railways. These are just some of the things in the bipartisan infrastructure bill that has been uh, passed in both the Senate and now in the House is uh, sitting on the desk uh, for President Biden uh, for him to sign it. I think he's waiting till Monday. I think he wants to try to get some momentum there. Uh, but what does this actually mean for Utah? And what does Utah get out of all of this? Utah Senator Mitt Romney uh, joins us. Uh, he was one of the lead negotiators in the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Senator, thanks for joining us on a busy day for you. Oh, thank you, Boyd. Good to be with you. Uh, appreciate your talking about infrastructure. We're uh... We're going to see some benefits from that bill. Yeah, I, I think it was interesting. The uh, I love the fact that the president was able to uh, have a little self-deprecating humor and say it is infrastructure week, <laughs> which I think it's been since uh, January or February. Uh, but tell us some of the things that are in there, some of the things that are important as they relate to the state of Utah. Well, good. I, I, let me start off first by noting that this was a bill that was negotiated by five Democrats and five Republicans in the Senate. Uh, and... Uh, by virtue of being one of the negotiators, I was able to make sure that we, we got our fair share. Uh, we'll get $3 billion in addition to normal federal spending for our highways. We'll get $3 billion for highways uh, and uh, overpasses and bridges. We'll also get funding. The exact number is not clear, but, but it'll be probably close to a billion dollars for transit. Um, and, uh, and that means we can expand the light rail into places now where we don't have it if we want to. Um, and then there, there's funding for wildfire mitigation uh, and management, which is we're putting together a commission to look at how we can rethink fighting wildfires. Uh, there's funding for the Central Utah Water Project, about $50 million for that, $200 million for uh, the uh, water rights that we're getting from the Navajo Nation and providing uh, water infrastructure for our Navajo citizens. Uh, the, the list goes on and on and on. Um, there, there's a good deal of funding, literally in the billions of dollars nationwide, to expand broadband to rural uh, parts of our country. Rural Utah will do very well uh, under this legislation. So, uh, you know, the, the list of projects uh, that, that are able to take advantage of this funding is pretty long. It's all physical infrastructure. Uh, this is not like the other bill the president's pushing, which is this social plan. This is about hard physical infrastructure and it'll make, it'll make a difference for us yeah and I, I do think it's important that this is a, a kind of steel and concrete in the ground uh, bridges and roads and infrastructure uh, I, I think it's also interesting I, uh, I had forgotten that there was uh, funding in there for some of the fire mitigation uh, because so often we we just kind of deal with that as it comes up uh, every summer and late fall uh, but often it is because the uh, land is not being managed well. And so we end up with a lot of that extra fuel under there. So how, how will this help in terms of that fire mitigation? Well, we're going to start off with a group of commissioners, uh, largely drawn from states and localities and some federal folks as well, as, as well as individuals that are not in government. And, and they're going to say, okay, look, let's rethink uh, wildfires and how we're, we're going to combat them. Because 
uh, as we're seeing the droughts we're seeing in the American West and the number of fires, we we got to approach them in a much more uh, aggressive manner. Uh, one, preventing them through the way we manage our forests. Uh, two, in the way we fight them when they uh, when they break out. And three, how we mitigate the consequences after we've had a fire. And the way we're doing it is simply not sufficient. So we start with a commission to lay out a a new strategy for the country, and then and then uh, allow that commission to describe precisely what we need in terms of new aircraft, uh, new monitoring systems, and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned, Senator, the, some of the other spending packages that are now working their way through Congress, and uh, of course the the social. Uh, structure, the Build Back Better, as the president likes to refer to it, and uh, a lot of dollars there. Uh, as you look at that and how that's being approached, uh, what are you watching? What, are you, what concerns you the most in that project? Well, the, the president's uh, huge uh, spending plan, it's, I think it's going to be, well, he initially started at $3.5 trillion. It's been whittled down, I think, now to $1.75 trillion, but it's still a huge number. Uh, and, and it's all sorts of things, pre-K, uh, child care, uh, expanding Medicare to younger people. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of it not to like, frankly. Uh, I, I'm not wild about the idea the federal government is going to uh, take two years of our kids and put them in, if you will, a, a federal-approved preschool program. I, I just don't like the federal government getting into our, our schools. Uh, I, I think schools ought to be run at the state and local level. So I'm not wild about that, and I'm not happy about the taxes he's proposing to pay for it all. Uh, His bill has not been finalized yet because the people, Democrats in the House and the Senate are still going back and forth. And frankly, I'm kind of hopeful that they they're not successful in getting their bill put together. We, We really we really can't afford, in my opinion, a massive new spending program, particularly with the kind of inflation we're seeing. Uh, just just more federal spending on top of the, the you know the, the the kinds of numbers we're seeing from inflation, the price of gasoline and food and and housing, it, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and it does seem that that inflation number has suddenly uh, I don't know if the administration just completely miscalculated what that was doing or what all the spending would do to to exacerbate that. Plus, you you know add all of the other dynamics coming out of the pandemic and uh, supply chain issues, uh, but all of that adds up uh, and really creates sort of a different kind of tax on the American people, the inflation tax, because we're not keeping up. The wage increases are good, uh, but they're not keeping up with inflation. Uh, you have been one who has uh, talked regularly in terms of debt and deficit spending. Uh, and we are, uh, just because we keep score here, uh, we are 22 days away from December the 3rd, uh, where we'll have another debt ceiling issue and funding of government. Uh, as you look at all of that from a fiscal responsibility standpoint, can we ever get to where we can get back to that conversation? Well, I think it's going to be a challenge because, as you know, uh, two-thirds of our spending in Washington is automatic. There's no vote on it at all. It's uh, our entitlements. It's Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, our interest. Uh, so two-thirds of federal spending is not part of the budget, not part of the negotiation that we vote on every year. Uh, and in order for us to uh, finally get balance in how much we spend and how much we tax, we're going to have to rethink the promises we make to future generations to make sure that we're not putting in place obligations we simply uh, can't afford or that could put us into financial ruin. So uh, that, that's the big issue. I, I, as you know, I've got a bill uh, to to try and get Republicans and Democrats to work together to solve that issue, not for current retirees. We're not going to change change anything for current retirees or those nearing retirement. But for young people coming along, we've got to make sure we're, we're promising them what we can actually deliver. 
Yeah, so important. And finally, Senator, on uh, on Veterans Day, as you uh, look at those who wear the uniform today or those who have worn it in the past, uh, your thoughts, uh, your remembrances, uh, what do you look for on a day like today? Well, you know, I, I woke up this morning uh, and my head was deep in the pillow and I could hear my heartbeat. And uh, I said to myself, you know, I have a heartbeat and a lot of young men and young women uh, who have fought and died for American liberty who no longer have a heartbeat. And my heartbeat beating is thanks to them. And I have my arms and my legs and I see our soldiers that have lost one or the other or both. And and uh, I recognize the degree of the sacrifice that's been made by others uh, to provide for our liberty uh, and our prosperity uh, and our future. And, and, I, and I hope that, that we as a citizenry will not only keep them in mind uh, and, and appreciate the, the sacrifice they've made, but also uh, carry on some of the qualities and attributes that we rely on for the nation to be strong and to defend ourselves against those who would, who would seek to oppress. So those are, those are thoughts for me today, and, and best to you and your listening audience at KSL. Appreciate the work that you do. All right. Thanks so much, Senator Mitt Romney. Appreciate you joining us on a busy day for you here in the state of Utah. And appreciate you weighing in on uh, some really important things in terms of infrastructure, what that means for the state and that impact, as well as what's coming uh, in our nation's capital. Senator, thanks again for joining us today. Thank you. Bye-bye, Boyd. All right. Uh, again, Senator Mitt Romney joining us on the line. And as you kind of go through those lists of things in terms of the infrastructure bill, you can look at what happened on that uh, bipartisan uh, effort there to get that done and across the line. And of course, it uh, it took uh, an extra couple of months after the Senate had passed uh, that bill for the House to work it through and sort of came, <laughs> became a uh, an interesting back and forth uh, kind of on the Democratic side between the progressive wing that was uh, not wanting to vote on that until there was a, a vote on the pres- on the president's social spending package. Uh, ultimately, that logjam was broken uh, by a few Republicans and some moderate Democrats, and that was passed. Uh, and interesting that uh, the president is waiting to sign that until next week. I think that's more of an indication that uh, they don't feel like they quite got momentum coming out of that that maybe they thought they would get. And, of course, there's a host of other things that uh, the president's got to keep on his radar as uh, he tries to parlay this and and pivot into what is next. And it is going to be a very busy next. The social spending package, uh, you've also got this debt ceiling uh, increase that's going to hit in early December. Uh, Funding of the government uh, runs out on December the 3rd. So there are a host of things. It's going to be a very busy couple of weeks uh, with Thanksgiving week uh, sandwiched in the middle there. So we're down to about nine working days, I think, for Congress to get a whole lot of things done. So we'll continue to monitor that. We'll step aside now for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we're going to go to one of the great voices on Veterans Day. Vin Scully weighs in. Don't want to miss this. Stay here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.